Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collector. How you doing, Zach? Doing all right. Getting ready to hate watch Tom Brady. <laughs> yes, we're, well, we will be talking about this in a minute, but uh, this is uh, Super Bowl Sunday that we're recording in a snowstorm. Uh, that may explain the sound of the, uh, the quality of the audio because... We had to do this over Zoom because where I usually drive to record, I cannot go uh, in the snow. And Brandon is a miracle worker, but ultimately he can only use with what he has. <laughs> How are you doing, Andrew? I'm good, sir. Uh, I think tonight's game, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. I think it's a really good matchup. Well, we're, we're going to do pointless predictions at the end of, uh, at the end of this little piece. So uh, I'm going to ask you, Andrew, just a very simple alive or dead who did Roy Jones Jr. beat to win the heavyweight title? And is that person alive or dead? He beat John Ruiz, and John Ruiz is alive. Bing, bing. Outstanding. And Zachary, who was the last president to be a union member? Okay. And Obama was a professor, but it was at a private college. Bush never. Bush never. I'm going to go with Kennedy? No. Uh, the Kennedys would have been busting unions. It would it, Reagan would have been a good guess because he had been the president. Oh guild? It wasn't the him. Screen however, actors Guild. However, it w- the most recent one was Donald J. Trump. That's right, because he resigned the- from he resigned from SAG AFRA by, right. by just being like, I don't want to be a part of your group. He dropped out of SAG, probably not knowing that you can't just drop out of a private sector union. Um <laughs> but um, yes, uh, and I don't know how that works. Like he lives in Florida, which is a right to work state. I don't, I don't know how private sector work unions in uh, the cross state lines work. But um, ultimately, uh, yes, he, he did try to drop out of the union, and he said it had nothing. Uh, the union had never done anything for him, which means he really understands the meaning of unionism. I believe, um, I believe I believe he also said he enjoyed his time in Home Alone 2 and Zoolander. <laughs> he cited the movies. Yes, he did. He had, he, had, he also said that he, he, he did more than anything to help cable news, even though, like, that's not SAG. But uh, <laughs> regardless, um, it's a, it was nice to hear, you know, when you don't have his Twitter account, and we just never think about him anymore, really. Or, or we think about him, of course, because we have the impeachment, which we'll be talking about later. But we don't hear from him anymore. And it's nice to occasionally not be remembered, oh, he's really stupid. Um, so that happened. So Andrew, what will you be ranting about today? Uh, quote, <clears throat> so it was more. So I will hold my hand up and say that the position I had two years ago was probably not the right position to have. And so that is why I am here. End quote. That is tour golfer Paul Casey. And I'm going to try to unpack the bullshit ethos behind his decision to play in the Saudi Arabian uh, European Tour Golf Tournament this week. Uh, yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm glad he, that's what he thought about. Uh, he learned over the last two years. Zach, what are you going to be ranting about? I will be uh, ranting about the recent Judiciary Committee meeting uh, where Hakeem Jeffries and, Jet, and uh, former Jet great Burgess Owens uh, had a very testy exchange over some political theater. I will be talking about a school in Utah, which is allowing parents to uh, opt out 
of having their little racist children learn about black history <laughs> because otherwise they may not be so racist. And then we'll be handling, we'll be discussing impeachment to electric boogaloo, Trump lives. But this is, as we pointed out, Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, you're hearing it after the Super Bowl, but we want to leave no chance to not come across as as stupid as possible. So we're looking for final scores of the Super Bowl. So, Andrew, what do you expect the final score to be? I am 37-33, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The line's three, right? Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs getting three, giving three? It hasn't. It, people thought it might have gotten to three and a half. I don't think it's there yet, um, but it's going to be three, possibly three and a half. I'm going 30-24, Bucks. Zach? I believe it's going to be 45-42, Chiefs. Oh, push. Everyone, everyone will enjoy a, a nice push for the <laughs> Super nice Bowl. Push. <laughs> I'm hoping that they, the uh, Bucks go back to their idea of, of single covering Tyreek Hill all over the field because that worked out well for them. <laughs> um, I think it will be 38-17 Chiefs. I, uh, wow. Yes. I went into the playoffs believing that the Chiefs can't just turn it on and turn it off when they want to. And now three weeks later, it's like, oh, yeah, they can. They can actually turn it on and turn it off when they want to. So I think it'll be uh, somewhat one-sided. And uh, Grandpa will get his, what, fifth Super Bowl loss? How many Super Bowl losses does Tom Brady have? Two Giants losses, Eagles. This would be his fourth? be his fourth loss. Right. But nobody, you know. I don't think he's going to get it. LeBron's the one that catches shit for losing losing, uh, NBA championships. And somehow with Tom Brady, it's just more of a sign of his greatness. And so we will be right back with our rants on the Bill Bradley Collector. Perched at the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts. Andrew, Zach, and Ed. So as we record on this snowy Super Bowl Sunday afternoon, we're about, let's say about eight hours removed from the completion of the third installment of the European Golf Tour's Saudi International. It is the annual uh, sojourn of some of the world's top golfers to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for nothing short of a conscienceless money grab. Even going against a top American event in Phoenix uh, is stacked elite. Eight of the top 16 players in the world, by my count, are were in attendance, including world number one, Dustin Johnson, who won the tournament, as well as one Englishman, Paul Casey. Paul Casey, the last two seasons, last two years, um, declined to play uh, in this event. He uh, is a ambassador for UNICEF, and he cited his discomfort with obvi- the obvious myriad uh, human rights issues uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, and it, uh, he had cited specifically the murder of Jamal Khashoggi um, as reasons for not going. This year, uh, and it was last November 2020 that he uh, committed to this event, he seemingly changed course. And this raised a lot of eyebrows in the golf world. Um, he was pressed this week by members of the media, members of the, the English media uh, specifically, um, asking what changed, what brought this all about. Um, your 
reversal of direction on this issue. And he said, well, he spent the, uh, much of the last two years reading into Saudi Arabia, reading into um, the climate there of, of human rights. Um, he was then pushed, whatever that means, reading into, doing homework, whatever. Uh, he was then pressed by one journalist who said, you know, Amnesty International has, has really pushed for golfers to kind of like speak out on this issue and explain like what they're doing there. And again, Casey was kind of like, ah, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going there. I've done my homework. I think I'm doing the right thing. Uh, this and that. He was then asked about the imprisonment of one, and I, if I fumble this, I apologize, one, uh, Luhain Hathul, um, a feminist Saudi activist who was imprisoned in December for five years by the Saudi government. He's asked about this, Casey, and he has, despite all of the research he's been doing, all of his due diligence towards getting to uh, the bottom of what's going on in Saudi Arabia, had no idea who she was, had no idea that the Saudi the kingdom had imprisoned her. Listen, it's really simple. And they they don't publicly disclose these figures, but the reason Dustin Johnson, the reason Bryson DeChambeau, the reason Patrick Reed, the reason Paul Casey are all playing in this tournament is because of fucking money. And it's blood money, but it's also, it's where does the money in, in the kingdom come from? Well, it's coming from the States. It's coming from Europe. It's and it's all just this kind of gross circle of as long as the money's there, these guys are going to go play. Um, it's we ask a lot of, I think, of, of basketball players, of, of athletes of color expressly to be active socially. We ask nothing of golfers and we get less than nothing. Black guy for Paul Casey, uh, he really fell quite a bit in my estimation this week. Andrew, let me just get this timeline right. He didn't go uh, to the tournament two years ago, and then he did research on Saudi Arabia and decided after doing research that they're good now and that he can play. Correct? He says, he says quote, and this was this week, he says, I've spent the last two years thinking about that a lot. I've learned an awful lot. I have read an awful lot. And one of the things that I was flat out wrong on was, was with my UNICEF ties is that they are not a political organization. Their focus is purely on the vulnerability of children around the world and making sure they look after children around the world and doing everything they can to save them. And that's important to me. And that's my focus with my charitable views and endeavors. That is a quote, end quote. I, it, like anyone who does research on Saudi Arabia, Anyone who does research on Saudi Arabia, by the end of that research would go, oh, my God, this is a brutal authoritarian dictatorship. Like uh, MBS, one of the things he did was imprison his entire family to consolidate power. Like the murder was just another bad thing that this country does. Um, but you're right. It's like, oh, yeah, they're going to make, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. And, you know, every soul has a price and that's the price for theirs. Um, but I think you know, one of the things you mentioned is we, we care so much about China, you know, the things like how many times was LeBron asked about China and, and you know, the Rockets players asked about China whenever they were protesting. You know, if you're a golfer, and especially a golfer at this level, you probably came from a lot more of a privileged upbringing than basketball players did. You know, you had you had the money to go to a country club. Now you're extremely wealthy. And you're right. We asked them to do nothing with that voice. Instead, once again, we put the onus on other people. 
But it's just the justification that he did research on Saudi Arabia and decided they were a good country is just baffling to me. It sounds like UNICEF decided to give him a pass on this and say you can play and we won't kick you off because it's not specifically like they're only murdering female children. They're not getting all of them. Um, yeah, it, it is. I'd have, well, I'm going to have no respect for him regardless, but I would have a little more respect for him if he just said, hey, have you ever turned down a million dollars? No, you haven't. So shut up. And then that looks like it's okay. It's on the table. Uh, but to, to pretend that you're taking a moral stand is just, it, it's, it's preposterous. And just to conclude here, the actual, the, the actual tournament purse is a fraction of the size of the purse of the PGA Tour event going on in Phoenix. What happens is, and I've, I've gotten into this before, they receive these undisclosed, they just get paid to show up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like tennis. Yeah. It's like tennis. It's just, it's, you, you get paid yeah. to show up. Essentially, they're mercenaries, yeah. more or less. So I'm going to be talking about a school in Utah that has decided that parents get to opt out of having their children learn Black History Month curriculum. Now, the school in Utah is a Montessori school. So it's not, it's a charter school, but it's a public charter school. And it's not one of these Betsy DeVos, my hairdresser's brother, uh, wants to run a charter school, so I'll give him $100,000 and then it'll close in three weeks. I mean, it's a, it is, as charter schools go, a legitimate charter school. However, this school, which has three black children out of the 122 children in the school, parents asked if they could opt out. And the academy director, they don't have principals, they have directors in charter schools, Mike Hirakawa said that he, quote, reluctantly sent a letter to families stating the administrators were allowing them, quote, to exercise their civil rights to not participate in Black History Month at the school. First of all, the idea that that's a civil right is insane. Secondly, that school is a public charter school. It takes public dollars, public education. And the reason for public education is we believe that education is a public good. And to say that it is a public, it is allowable to take public money and then exclude people from learning, from, from questioning their racism or having their children question their racism because we're going to ignore the contributions of one race of people for the shortest month of the year is insane. And this is, it gets to the heart of the problem with charter schools is that they take, they take public money for private gain and they don't have a public responsibility. And I don't want to hear this bullshit. I reluctantly said it, I was heartbroken to do it. Then don't do it. Tell those people you're a racist and so get out. Cause you know who's going to leave that school? The families of the three black children who rec recognize that their children are being canceled. I mean, the Republicans talk about cancel culture all the time. Josh Hawley is on every TV show talking about the fact that he doesn't get to express his opinion. How is this not cancel culture at its most offensive? It is a galling use of public money. And 
you know, we talked, you know, you just talked about the fact that we asked a lot of our, our basketball players and primarily our black athletes on public issues. But I mean, it is something, why would you play? Why would you want to play in a state which wants to obliterate your history, allows people to obliterate your history, their history? I, I, I can't imagine any self-respecting um, educator, education administrator, actually any sort of curriculum on, on, on history, on, so, on social studies, and just completely just kind of like whitewashing Black History Month and Black History from that curriculum. How in the fuck is that even like, how can, how, how can you approve of deleting that from like, curriculum it's it's it is absolutely it is mind-boggling but as i'm reminded this is utah it's utah nevertheless appalling appalling and isn't montessori schools are the ones where it's like instead of an a you get a happy seal and instead of an f you get like an angry horse or something some of the uh montessori schools are non-graded not all of them but some of them are non-graded i don't know about this one i just that just sounds awful. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it is, you know, this is a direct, you know, follows in the path of Trump when they were like, no, you can't teach the 1619 project. You know, you can't, if we learn about civil rights, if we learn about anything with African-American history, well, then we'll know that like, hey, it's been terrible for all of like throughout our entire country's existence. They have gotten absolutely the worst end of every deal. And it's like, it. What harm is it going to do to teach them about this? And you're right. Like, it's just, it is cancel culture because those three, you know, those three black families aren't going to get to go on NBC or Fox news at 8 PM and talk about how, talk about how this is impacting them. But Josh Hawley, you talked about cancel culture is. Yeah. They're not going to get to bump fucking Josh Hawley who, you know, is comes from incredible amounts of money and never shuts up. Now it was, it is deplorable. And by the way, there are States right now, um, who are having are vote, taking votes on whether or not to pr pr uh, prevent the 1619 curriculum being taught in public schools? Well, we're going to stick uh, with one of the worst states in the country, in Utah, uh, because this week, uh, a couple days ago, uh, the Judiciary Committee had uh, one of their first meetings in, in Congress, and before the meeting, uh, Matt Gates and uh, Burgess Owens, former. Uh, Jets player, former Raiders player, uh, for the purpose of this rant, he belongs to the Raiders, not the Jets. Uh, he's a congressman now, and Utah just started, got elected his first term. And Gates and Owens and all these Republicans were like, they put a motion on the floor to say the Pledge of Allegiance before every committee meeting, even though they already say the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the House. Like, they say the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the day. They wanted to say the Pledge of Allegiance before the committee meetings. It was all just political theater to say Democrats hate America. And that's exactly what Matt Gates and Burgess Owens did. And Burgess Owens uh, went on and on about how Dems are not patriotic, that they don't believe in our country, uh, that it is a disrespect, that he used to get teary-eyed uh, listening to the national anthem when he played, and now players won't even stand for the national anthem, and on and on and on. And Hakeem Jeffries, uh, a congressman out of Brooklyn, uh, simply tried to ask him a question and, and Owens refused to yield. So Jeffries took his time afterwards and just went after him and he should have gone after him. And one of the things he went after him about was Burgess Owens on January 6th, 
voted to not certify the electoral college votes and vote and was an active, you know, helper in the stop the steal campaign and supporter of Donald Trump. And Hakeem Jeffries after and he said, how'd you vote? How'd you vote on the sixth? That was not patriot. That patriotism is listening to the voters of this country and letting their will happen. You, you incited an insurrection. You want to lecture us about patriotism. And Owens, of course, comes back and he does the thing Republicans have always been doing and saying, well, was it an insurrection in 2016 when seven uh, Democrats voted against certifying the Electoral College? And Jeffries, of course, pointed out that it was very different. And no, I mean, mainly because nobody died in 2016 when that happened. And on the sixth, uh, five people died, plus the two police officers who have taken their own lives. And if we are going to have to deal with Republicans in the next four years, because all we hear about is all this reconciliation, that uh, unity that we need to heal, we need to heal, we need to heal. But they keep doing shit like this. And, you know, at this point, the only way Democrats should talk to Republicans is exactly the way Hakeem Jeffries talked to Burgess Owens. Oh, you want to, you know, oh, we're on patriotic. You did this, this and this and do it publicly and do it forcefully and make them own everything they do and own everything they've done. That's how they win all the time, because they do this to Democrats. And it's just it was one of those things that I watched and I was like, oh, man, maybe we're going to have a shot over the next couple of years to actually get something done. If we have people like Hakeem Jeffries calling out these assholes when they need to be called out. One of the best things about the first couple of weeks uh, has been the recognition by especially Biden, who, of course, lived through 2009, that there is no good faith. There, there, there are not good faith people uh, on, you know, making these arguments. Because if you love this country, I mean, what is it exactly you love? The flag? Well, what does the flag represent? It represents, I would think, a system of democratic government, which they don't give a shit about because they know they can't actually ever win an election at a national level if you get to vote, if the votes are actually counted. They do everything in their power to suppress votes, including, I mean, how are you a black Republican? How do you look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm part of a party that spends every waking moment disenfranchising people who look like me? I don't understand it. Utah has a long tradition, or at least a short tradition, of, of voting for terrible black politicians. What was the love, the Congresswoman Love? Or I don't yeah, remember. Love. I don't remember her first name, um, was, was terrible. Burgess Owens, I mean, it probably explains a lot of his career that he was playing with tears in his eyes from the national anthem. And um, that was probably during the Jets years. But um, it, yeah, I, and thank God for, thank God for people like Hakeem Jeffries and AOC who are just calling this bullshit out constantly, publicly, unapologetically um not that it really matters because if you are getting your news from fox you don't even know it existed you only saw burgess owens but it is um it's a disgrace the worst period of futility in jets franchise history minus the last 10 years uh the post super bowl 370s jets of which burgess owens was a starting safety for pretty much that entire run he fucking gets a super bowl with the raiders at the end fuck that there's like empty, hollow gestures, and then there's the I, this 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 pledge of allegiance proposal, 
it's 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 like the onion come to life it's just i fuck these people and we will be back in a minute to talk about impeachment two electric boogaloo the trump sequel uh right after these words Bored but bossy? Desperate for power and upset nobody will listen to you? Keen to patronize? Try a career in human resources. Your job is to fire people or make them feel bad for telling funny jokes. Take the joy and pleasure out of the workplace. Work is called work for a reason. It shouldn't be fun. You'll have more power than management. Make people fill out long questionnaires about their feelings so you can sell the data or blackmail them at a later point. Get paid to snoop on employee email. Train for three evenings and you'll be qualified to begin an exciting career as a human resources professional. Contact Ovine Human Resources Academy today. Welcome back. So we're going to be talking about the new and improved impeachment trial, uh, the Tide Plus of impeachments. Uh, Zach, do you want to uh, give us a little background on this? So this impeachment proceeding uh, is basically a result of the insurrection that happened on January 6th uh, that was stoked uh, by Donald Trump, which we talked about in a prior episode. And basically after that, uh, where, by the way, 147 uh, Republicans voted uh, against the the certification of the Electoral College votes, including Friends of the Pod, uh, Josh Howley, and former Auburn coach uh, Tommy Tuberville. And the... Democrats uh, have decided in the House and when they won the Senate to move forward on impeachment proceedings, uh, basically charging Donald Trump uh, with citing an insurrection against the government um, and holding him accountable in that way by basically impeaching him after the fact that he's uh, uh, out of office, but also in it, uh, doing it in a way that would prohibit him from running uh, for public office ever again. Uh, the Trump can't, uh, the Trump legal team for what you can call it, uh, filed a brief saying that he had a right to contest the election. He had every right to do what he did. Oh, and you can't impeach a former president anyway, Um, which has been kind of the heart of the debate. There's been, I believe the last time somebody was impeached without holding office was a secretary of war uh, back, you know, decades ago. And uh, we are waiting on Monday, you know, the day before this podcast to actually see what Trump's legal team uh, will respond to the charges filed by the House. This is uh, like pretty historic in a couple ways. One being that it's the first time a president's been impeached the second time. Uh, it's the first time we tried to impeach a president who's no longer in office. And it's also the most bipartisan impeachment that's ever been passed. There were 10 Republicans in the House that voted for the impeachment against Donald Trump. So the unconstitutionality issue, I find baffling. Because we have guidance that you cannot, because of the impeachment process, you cannot indict legally a sitting president. But now we're saying you can't begin, you cannot impeach him basically for anything that happens between the day he loses the election and inauguration, which in when we when this country was founded and up until 1932 was March. The founding fathers had many problems, but one thing they were they all agreed on is that no single 
person should be above the law, especially someone who is running the country, the president. But what the Republican, you know, what the Republican position is, and it's a Republican position. Lindsey Graham was on uh, the Sunday shows just talking about it today. Although why anyone gives a shit what Lindsey Graham thinks is beyond me. Um, that it is, you can't impeach. It's you can't impeach someone who is now out of office. Well, then what do you do? What is the recourse? Does he have? Does he? Does the President of the United States? After between the day he, he leaves, you know, has, loses an election or has turned out of an election, and the day he's inaugurated, have complete carte blanche to do whatever he wants. It is inconceivable that that's what the founding fathers meant. And since you can't uh, arrest him for it, you can't you prosecute him. What, what there is no recourse for this person under their plan. There's a tweet from resident Florida dipshit congressman uh matt gates from i believe late 2019 where he essentially endorses the idea of posthumously impeaching obama for god knows what but actions have consequences and there's constitutional scholars that say there's nothing unconstitutional about uh, impeaching a president who's not in office one thing and i listen the charges the offenses clearly are impeachable does the does i what i imagine are our collective beliefs on how this will turn out and 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 that he will not actually be convicted in the senate does that how does that make you feel as far as i don't want to say why are we i know why we're doing this but is it worth is it is it is it is it worth it i guess is what i'm asking see i thoughts I personally could care less if he runs again. I don't, I don't think he can win again. I don't think that's the issue. I do think that when somebody like Mitch McConnell is willing to consider impeachment, they want him off the ballot. But ultimately, it's about precedent. Because if denying clear evidence of the people's will in, in a vote based on, on, on claims that specious doesn't begin to cover it and then inciting a violent insurrection um and condoning it afterwards if that's not impeachable literally nothing in this country is impeachable and unless you've got one third you know unless you've got a party that is that somehow has the presidency but only one third or one quarter of of the senate there is no impeachment and and so i I just feel that Put your names, put your names in the history book. Write it down, Lindsey Graham. Say, I condone this because that will follow you for the rest of your life. And a hundred years from now, if we still have a country and still have a planet, people will be looking back and holding you in contempt the way we hold um, people, many people of the past and we hold the way we hold Joseph McCarthy in contempt. I, I've been very back and forth on this. Um, pretty much since it started. I mean, I think more than anything, Mitch McConnell uh, is probably really upset that uh, John Ossoff and Warnock won because that allowed Schumer to make the call uh, instead of McConnell. And I'm not sure McConnell would have brought these charges forward, uh, would have done, would have even held hearings on him, would have done anything, whereas Schumer's going to do that. I think more than anything, Republicans are in the Senate are very nervous about having to take this vote. Um, so there is a political 
benefit for it, but you don't, it's hard to talk about a political benefit based off an event where like people died, you know, people are still suffering from, from what happened. And, you know, to make a, to make a political statement out of that, it's very, it's, it's a little uh, unbecoming, I, I would say, you know, probably, but there is the thing of what do you do here? I mean, our constitution's silent on this and it's, you know, another, another point of reference for Donald Trump's presidency where our system of government doesn't really have the ability to deal with something like this, where a guy commits an impeachable act 14 days before he is supposed to leave office. You know, we're not built, our government's not built to handle that. And, but on the other hand, it's like, he is a private citizen. I I am very against barring him from holding a public office. Um, I'm very against barring anyone from holding a public office. You know, one of the great labor leaders uh, of all time, Eugene Victor Debs ran for president from prison. You know, like we, we have a system that allows this and that's a great thing about our country and becoming a country that is now able to dictate what citizens can run for president and what citizens cannot, I believe is, is troublesome, even though it's one guy, it's a little troublesome. And, you know, every president does things that are impeachable. Every president does that they could be held for after the, after the fact, you know, Obama invaded a foreign country without congressional, without congressional approval to kill a foreign enemy. That's an impeachable offense. George Bush did many, many, many impeachable offenses that he could have been impeached for. Bill Clinton has lived a life that could be impeached, you know? So it is, there is that part of it. that's like, if we start going down this road, then man, it could get real ugly quick. Well, I'm against, uh, that's the least concern for me. I, I don't, I'm not really, I don't think that's the issue for me. It's the issue of at some point actions have to have consequences. And at some point, if we have an impeachment, then we should just not have impeachment. Um, Because if this isn't impeachable, nothing's impeachable. Um, You know, and and I would have said the first thing about, I would have said that about trying to solicit the Ukraine to help them in the election. Um, But I do think the thing where I've been frustrated is the Democrats are kind of a little leery of this too. And the request to have Trump testify and then saying that if he refuses to testify, that will be considered as part of their decision-making process and will be viewed almost as an admission of guilt. That gives me a lot of problems because it is, you know, that you can't get away with that shit in the court of law. And I, I think that, that that's problematic. I'm also tired of requests. My single least favorite thing on Twitter, other than just Twitter in general, is people demanding that Josh Hawley and uh, Ted Cruz resign. If Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz had any shame, they would not be Josh Hawley and and Ted Cruz. Like that's, that's what makes them who they are. They have no shame. So to request things that you you could demand but won't, just stop doing it. Um, but I agree with you, Zach. I'm against, for example, expelling Holly Cruz or Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene from the Senate. I'm, I'm against that. Uh, they were elected, and they they won. So what are you gonna say? You know, they they're not the first dipshits to be elected. Um, so I, I agree with you on that part. But I just don't see. 
if you can't prosecute and you can't impeach, then what are you going to do? Nothing. I, for one, was very – and it seems like Trump is pretty steadfast that he's not going to testify. I was looking forward to him getting grilled by Ted Lieu, um, rep, Democrat rep, who's one of the House managers uh, from California, whose background, he was a prosecutor in the Air Force. And I'm just having these like flashbacks to like a few good men of like the Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson standoff where they put Jessup on the stand and uh, you can handle the truth. I would have loved to have seen um, Trump grilled by some of these people. It's not going to happen. Um, it's like fanfic, but. Yeah, I mean, I think like that's one of the things that's frustrating. And and it's what, you know, when Matt Gates says this is political theater, it kind of gives a little fire to that smoke, which is the Democrats don't have to request Donald Trump come and come and testify. They can subpoena him to come, come to come and testify. They have that power. Yeah, he wouldn't show up. Yeah, they, yeah, make him not show up for speed, but they can do that. They don't have to send him a letter being like, hey, man, please. You know, he's going to say no. He didn't come. He didn't come speak with his own impeachment. when He was in office. He's not coming now. He's in Florida golfing. And a summons. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing I think that's been fascinating is there were 147 Republicans who voted uh, against certifying the election. Um, and there were 10 Republicans to uh, vote for impeachment. And in the Venn diagram of those people, there is one who stands in the middle, uh, the overlap, and that is Congressman Tom Rice from North Carolina, who both voted against certifying the election and voted for impeachment. Now, I think it's important to note, he voted against certifying the election after the insurrection happened, which he then voted to hold Trump accountable for. What do you guys make of that? What do you guys make of that? I think he was joining uh, the British golf room reading up on things. <laughs> they were library pals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like casting up if you're a baseball writer and it's like, well, Barry Bonds is a hall of famer, but Roger Clemens is not a hall of famer. It's like, you can't like one and not the other. It's, I, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, I would like to think that after some reflection, he's looked himself in the mirror and said, what the hell's wrong with me? Um, People do that sometimes. I think all of us have done things and said, oh, I'm never behaving that way again and then tried not to. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is. It's certainly not a political calculation because you've managed to infuriate everyone. Well, I think what, what we've seen here, um, especially from those 10 Republicans that voted for impeachment, and it's, you know, I'm sure it's making the Senate Republicans a little leery as well. Um, Liz Cheney, who is not someone I agree with on any policies or on anything uh, at all. Her, the Wyoming Republican Party voted to censure her for her impeachment vote. And she's in House, she's in Republican leadership. I mean, this is how far down the rabbit hole this party's gotten is Donald Trump did this. She voted for it. She did, you know, what I think is the right thing, but it's also, you know, a good thing for our country. And the Republican Party's response was, you're terrible and we're going to censure you. You know, she got, you know, the four, aforementioned Matt Gates, you know, is the um, went to went to Wyoming to have a rally to to get her out of leadership. And they had 61 votes against her being in leadership in the Republican caucus, which is five and a half times as many people who voted to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene from of her committee uh, in the Republican Party. No, that party has just completely lost its way. And 
you know, we see it in Arizona where somehow they're, they're, they've censured Cindy McCain. Um, it's, it's, we, we see it every, pretty much everybody who had a senator, except for Utah, who voted for impeachment, has censured that person because Trump made sure that all of the local, the, uh, most of the state Republican parties uh, were run by Trump people. He didn't do it in Connecticut because, I don't know. But, well, I mean, Romano had been there forever. But it's, um, you know, we're seeing that it's, yeah, it, it, the whole party is, it's a party now of, it's an anti-democratic party. That's what it is. The Washington Post has maintained this pretty interesting tally on their site of kind of where every senator, at least publicly, stands on on the proceedings. And you've got 40 that are in support of conviction, 39 Dems and Bernie Sanders. Uh, among the 37 Republicans that have publicly come out in opposition, 21 that are, quote, and this is kind of like a very, it's a very gray area of being open to conviction, among whom there's like 10 Republicans and it's names that don't surprise. Uh, the Susan Collinses and the Murkowskis and Ben Sass, friend of the pod, um, even Mitch McConnell. Um, listen, I open to, to, to say that you're going to hear the, well, we're going to hear the, the facts. We're going to do this. I don't necessarily buy that, but I don't know. It's almost like a, a path to 67. Like I don't see it, but I don't, it's, eh. it's interesting how much of it is, is just trying to like save face. And then at the end, just do the inevitable, the inevitable wrong thing, but you're saving face by not being, you know, out forward in your opposition to his impeachment. Yeah, I, I think that there is no chance in hell that Susan Collins uh, will vote no. for impeachment, uh, especially after, you know, she just won after everyone said she was going to hold her accountable after, you know, Twitter villain Nate Silver said she would lose by nine points and she wins by five. You know, she, she's not what is her incentive to do anything other than what she's been doing? She's just going to keep doing what she's. Oh, yeah, I'm open to it. And OK, maybe, maybe. And then she'll vote against she'll vote against convicting. But I want to talk about Matt Gates for a second, because that kind of leads us into somebody else who has dealt with a much lower level of accountability. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was part of the January 6th insurrection, uh, is being held accountable for comments from her private life. Uh, and in the past, so it's kind of the reverse order here, uh, as well as the sixth, where she was expelled from uh, all of her committees. Um, they didn't expel her from Congress, but they basically said, you're backbenched. You can't really do anything now. Uh, and she gave a speech on the floor of the House in defense that was, you know, basically like, I'm really sorry that I was, I'm really sorry that I believed all these terrible things that I still believe. And Matt Gaetz afterwards uh, said, her speech was so good, he, I almost needed a cigarette afterwards. Is there yeah. anyone worse than Matt Gaetz in the, in, in just in America? Yeah. Well, yeah, Jim Jordan is. Because, yeah, because Jim if, Jordan. I mean, Matt Gaetz has only driven drunk. <laughs> Few times, Jim Jordan, you know, it, it, uh, uh, turned a blind eye to uh, abuse, sexual abuse of, of college athletes. But just think about that. This is a man on national television who, because when you hear what Marjorie Green like supposedly said, she she said she believed that Sandy that nine eleven happened and Sandy Hook happened, despite the fact she's quoted that she doesn't believe it multiple times. And based on that, Matt Gates claims he ejaculated. What an odd thing to do. Like, on TV. 
do you want to sit next to Matt? Somebody has to sit next to that guy. It's like, Matt, stop touching yourself. Sweet Jesus. People are sitting to dinner watching, listening to Matt Gage talk about how he got off. Like That's, that's unpleasant. And plus, it would, it would definitely be that um, something about Mary hair gel. So. <laughs> I used to always think that, um, you guys know Seth Davis, the CBS college basketball insider yeah. or whatever. Um, I used to always think that he was the closest physical sort of like doppelganger of like Eddie Munster. I look at Matt Gates and I see like if Eddie Munster like grew up and got a facelift, that's Matt Gates. Um, oh, I think no, that's or, the closest approximation. Or, or the bad guy from the um, from the Untouchables. What was that guy's name? Frank Nitty, Capone's no, no, enforcer. Bad guy from the, the not the Untouchables. The Incredibles. <laughs> the bad guy from The Incredibles. Yes. Spectre. He kind of looks like Spectre. You, you know, I think I think like the you know the Matt Gates and the Margie Taylor Greens and the Jim Jordans and the Lauren Boberts. You know, it, it's kind of where I'm kind of like you know holding Trump accountable will be fine. It'll do almost nothing. You know, he's a 78 year old man. We're going to say he can never run for president again. Okay, he can't run for president when he's 82. But like all of these people that helped and fostered and encouraged the exact same thing we're impeaching Donald Trump for are still going to be in office. They're still there. You know, Louis Gomer is still there. Jim Jordan's still there. It was, the, it was the heavy hitters. It was the murderer's row of the Republican Party that was supporting them. And we're going to have to deal with them for 20, 30 more years, 40 more well years. Well, because we because the Dems did not win any very few state legislatures, they're going to jerry. There are going to be districts so weirdly gerrymandered that even more than usual, that some of these people will never lose. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene cannot; she could lose to in a primary, but no one's going to primary. If she gets primaried, it's only going to be from the right, and there is no right to to her. I mean, they're just, you can't get any farther right. So, I mean, it's just, unfortunately, countries get the government they deserve. I, by the way, am in favor of her being stripped of her, her committee assignments. I, for the sake, I believe the people of Georgia get to choose who they want to represent them. That doesn't mean the rest of us have to live with that, that asshole weighing in. Like, I don't think that that's fair. Um, they, she could be there and she could do her little votes, but... This, the hearing starts on Monday the eighth. So by the time this starts, you know the opening opening arguments are going to be made. Do you, how many Repu how many Republicans? We know fifty. Dem well, we assume Joe Manchin is going to vote for impeachment. He said he will. Oh, thank God. It's always a wild card. Um, how many Republicans do you think we will actually end up getting? Like, do you think there will be any surprises? Like the way the, some of these Republicans that in the House were genuine surprises that were not expected. Like they they voted from Trump districts that went 60-40 Trump. Well, um, you're, you're going to get Romney or Mikowski, clearly. Uh, and I think you'll get Sass. And I wouldn't be shocked to get college. She, she's probably not going to run again. So, I mean, four or five? On the way out, Rob Portman, maybe? His final... Uh, this, is how, this, is, this is how he leaves. Yeah, and all those other names Ed just mentioned. Yeah. Nobody else I can really consider. Yeah, I get big, uh, big Jeff Flake vibes from from Rob Portman where he's going to vote for Trump hundred percent of the time. And on the way out go, man, that guy sucked. And just um, that's my line of thought. I, I think Jeff Flake 
is Daniel Webster compared to, to, to Rob Portman, who is a, Rob Portman's been a disaster. I think, uh, I think the big, the big surprise, I think we might get um, Tom Scott or Scott, uh, the Tim, Senator, Senator from uh, Carolina or Tim, pro- possibly both, both Alaskan Republicans. I mean, Dan Sullivan uh, is not, you know, a raving conservative. Uh, so, you know, probably 55, 56 would be my guess. If you get five or six, like that's something, I mean, I, that would be something that would at least, I mean, at some level, it would give pause to every Republican thinking that no matter what the votes are, they're going to claim they lost. They won the election. I mean, it may do that. And that may be all we can hope for. And with that, we will say, we will see you next week on the Bill Radley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Facebook at the Bill Bradley Collective. We'll see you again next week.